Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Happiness here on earth comes in so many forms. I'll give you a sneak peek into what makes me happy here in this life relationships. So my relationship with Joseph, my husband, the trips that we've taken, we've taken so many good trips to Colorado, to Texas, where we've explored high heights and gotten some great hikes. I love being in nature. It's springtime here in Kansas and my allergies have not hit knock on wood. And so I've loved having the windows open and having a good breeze come through the house. I love when a good song pops on my Spotify playlist or when I go down to Dunkin' Donuts and I make a little mid mid coffee run in the afternoon and I get an iced coffee. Or maybe it's a warm cup of coffee for you, but we are made for so much more happiness than Dunkin' Donuts can bring. We're made for transcendent happiness. And that's the kind of joy that no matter how good that coffee tastes or how beautiful our relationship is with that person or how incredible it feels to stand on top of a mountain, it's a joy that the things in this world are not going to satisfy. So what do our unique desires for happiness here on earth teach us about our life to come? In today's letter, a letter to the woman searching for authentic happiness, we're going to dive deep into what it means to be happy. We're going to talk about the four levels of happiness that Aristotle talks about. We're going to talk about unhealthy attachments that can keep us from authentic joy and how to root out specific lies and fears that are robbing us from being happy. I am so excited to share this interview with you. So let's dive in. Today's episode is brought to you by Studio Headphones. If you use the code LETTERS15, you'll receive 15% off your purchase, and you'll also be able to take advantage of their free worldwide shipping. We are welcoming to the podcast Rose Sweet. She is a conference and retreat speaker and author on books about relationships, healing, and strengthening those. She's also the recent author of the book, A Catholic Woman's Guide to Happiness, published by Tan Books. Welcome to the podcast, Rose. It's so good to have you on here. Thank you, Chloe. I just love getting together with other Catholic women. It's just, there's something sweet about it. So we're going to be talking today about this search for authentic happiness. But before we get going, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman and about your own adventure in finding happiness? Well, I'm the oldest of nine kids, and I grew up in a good Catholic family. But as we know, with big families, when mom is busy with all the little ones, sometimes the older ones are going off on their own doing things they shouldn't be doing. (laughs) That was pretty much me. I was like, I was both a good little girl and a bad little girl at the same time because I, I wasn't really submitting myself to direction or teaching. And so in my search for happiness, I followed my own little roadmaps. And you know where those lead. They may start out pretty fun, but I ended up in some pretty dark places. I had ruined relationships, divorce. The list is too huge to mention. But when I finally was in enough pain, and that's the key, I fell on my face in a certain sense. And I said, okay, Lord, I still believe in you. I kind of don't know you. And I probably don't trust you as much as I should. But will you help me get back? Because I just want to be happy. Um, And those kind of earnest and imperfect prayers are still sweet to our Lord. And he began to change me. And I began to grow up and to seek real truth, real goodness, real beauty, and real happiness the right way. I'm I'm so, so thankful. And I can't help because I am the big sister. Now I got to, like, tell all the other kids how to go and... (laughs) you know, come on, if you want to be happy, follow me. (laughs) I love how God uses those moments where it's easy to fall into that temptation of despair. And we're sitting here recording in Holy Week, and I'm thinking of the gospel from today about Judas betraying Christ and handing him over and this idea of despair that there's nothing 
that you can't come back from this or the lies that the devil speaks into that. But how beautiful that God uses Ugh. these moments where we're falling on our face and like, all right, Lord, I don't know your plan. I don't know how I can build up trust in you. And then he still shows up in those moments and he still brings so much beauty and goodness and fruit from them. I know. And, you know, I was thinking that today, a, a somber reflection on Jesus was betrayed by a kiss. Mm. And I... I look back at my own early life and think of the times I betrayed Jesus with, quote unquote, a kiss Mm -hmm. uh, in my search for happiness, pursuing other loves. And I betrayed him. But that's the beautiful thing about our faith and what we read in scripture is look at how many people betrayed him. It wasn't just Jesus. It was Peter three times. Our Lord made a wonderful time for Peter to re- to be redeemed and, and to show his love. And that Peter is my guy. So I am thinking about him this Holy Week, too. He's a good one to reflect on. I see myself in Peter yes. too much, especially when it comes to that <laughs> stubbornness. <laughs> There's hope for me yet. If Jesus can work through Peter, he can work through me, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So in today's episode, it's a letter to the woman searching for happiness and searching for authentic happiness. And let's dig back a little bit into the history of the search for happiness, because both you and I know that this is something that human beings have been looking for for a long time, since the very beginning of time. But Aristotle talks about the four levels of happiness, and they're sometimes referred to as the four levels of desire. What are those four levels and what do they mean for Catholic women who are desiring authentic happiness? Well, the four levels are start with the basic level of happiness, um, but but we're made for transcendent happiness. We're never satisfied with the lower levels, um, and we keep wanting to go higher. So, as as Catholic women, you know, we should set we should be happy at the lower levels, but always be uh, having them serve to point us to the higher levels. And they are the four levels are things is number one. The first thing that we're happy as little kids. We like things. You know, the very first thing we want is mother's breast or a bottle. We want, we have an appetite. We're hungry and we're not happy when we're hungry. After we're fed, we're happy. (laughs) So there's, there's like the basic pattern of our life. Hunger, search for food or satisfaction for that desire. And then happiness that follows when we are sated. But as, as you know, we keep getting hungry every few hours. And so those lower, the very lower levels are food and clothing and drink and toys and, you know, movies and all the things outside ourselves, the things that give us pleasure and power and all that stuff. And they're not bad in themselves. They're good, but it's how we overattach ourselves or misuse them where we get into trouble. And then the next level of happiness higher than things is self. And what I mean by that is, and this is the example I use on my retreats and whatnot. You're really happy when you got that thing under the Christmas tree because it was your new Schwinn bike. You were so happy, but you were even happier when you got to go outside and master it and ride it and control it and be good on it and go fast on it and feel good about yourself and your power and your gifts and your abilities. So that's the next highest level of happiness. When we begin to use things for good that make us feel proud in a, in a healthy way and to recognize our giftedness and our goodness. But then we can get stuck on that level and miss the next level, which is others. So we go from things to self-achievement and self-mastery and then to other people, to their good. And I use the same bicycle analogy when I talk to people and everybody laughs. So you got the bike for Christmas. 
you learn how to write it and it's you you trick it out. You're the best in the neighborhood, right? Yep. But then your little sister wants to ride your bike and your mom says you have to let her use it. So now you have a choice. Do you let go of that thing and your ownership of it and the pride and all for the greater good of another? And everybody laughs and they go, no, we don't want to give it to our sister. <laughs> and, we, and when we talk about it, it's because she might ruin it mm-hmm. or she might be better than us. So there's those first two levels of happiness. Our sister could dash those to the ground, you know. <laughs> but moms and dads have to talk us through that higher higher level of happiness for others. They say, look, we know you don't want to give it to your sister, but don't worry. If it gets broken, we'll help you. I'll, we'll be proud of you. I'll be so happy. Your sister will be so happy. Jesus will be so happy. And we begin to help them create self-talk that it is good for me to let go of things and my own sense of self, self-ownership, self-mastery, for the greater good of another person, for their happiness. And when we do that, we're even happier than ever. We don't experience that naturally. We have to be taught. We have to be shown. And that's why our, it's so important as parents that we don't give our kids everything that they want when they're little because, you know, it's going to be really hard to undo that. Right. So the finest. Okay, so here we are. So we have our things and and we've learned to use our gifts and our sense of self for the greater good of other people. We're in level three happiness, but there's an even higher level. And that is really union with God himself. And a lot of us as Christians, and I know this has happened to me too, I get stuck in the lower levels, even with people and relationships, Mm -hmm. doing good for them, serving them, feeling good about myself because I gave it all away. And all of a sudden I realize I'm falling into pride Mm -hmm. and I'm really slipping back down into level two about look how great I am, that I'm such a great Christian and I gave all my stuff away. And it's like the thought of God is like nowhere to be found. So really, all those things, God is saying to us, let things and your hunger for things lead you to me, because I I will satisfy those thirsts and those hungers. And all your gifts and talents that you have, you're a reflection of me, and I'm I'm all that on steroids, and you're going to be even happier when you're when you discover me and are long for nothing but me. And even your relationships, you know, we can get too attached, to, especially to our spouses and our kids, and make them little gods. And Jesus is saying, let go even of that in a certain sense and long, long, long for me. See me, hunger for me. We don't hear his voice calling sometimes. We get, we can, we can be very distracted and stuck in the lower levels of happiness. It reminds me, I was listening to a talk by Christopher West who talks about theology of the body. And one of the great lines that he has is that it's better to be lost in your passions than to have lost all of your passions. And just speaking into that. Mm-hmm. The, the desires of these four levels of happiness are so good, but we have to direct them to, to be able to aim them towards God because all of those things can lead us to God. But if they're misdirected, we're going to miss out on this beautiful fulfillment of these desires more than we could ever imagine because we're going to be content or think that we can be content with those base levels. You know, and I'm thinking when you're talking back when I was in my 20s, I was a smoker because Mm -hmm. it was so cool. Then the Surgeon General came out with all this stuff about this stuff will kill you, right? Right. And now, like, if anybody smokes, it's like, oh, what's wrong with you? But the thing was, with smoking, it made me feel cool and it had pleasure. I was stuck at levels one and two there and I didn't realize... 
that even though you have pleasure and there's nothing quote unquote wrong with it right now, it's going to kill you. We can be stuck in the lower levels of happiness and they seem good and wonderful and provide us with actual pleasure and things that we're seeking. But in the long run, if we don't move out of them and go higher, it will kill us. I love how that speaks into what these desires are really encouraging us to, which is this, this fact that we're made for something different. C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Can you speak into how our desires for happiness here on earth can teach us about the life that's to come? I love that quote by C.S. Lewis. I mean, he has so many great quotes. If you study these four levels and then you go and read scripture, you see them everywhere and all kinds of verses where the heart is, where your treasure is, there is your heart. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, where is my heart? Um, is it with God or is it with something lesser than God? And I love this old teachings of the church about appetites yeah. and hungers. God made us that way, but Ultimately, we're supposed to recognize that all of life, okay, you're going to like this, all of life is like Chinese food because <laughs> an hour later, you're still hungry. <laughs> so think about the highest level, number three, the, the level of, of relationships with other people and doing good for others and being loving to others. Even then, those are very tenuous relationships. You know, they can go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, we have to keep everybody happy and we're every day... It's my, does my husband make my ha me happy today? Are my kids making me happy? And today, yes, mm -hmm. but tomorrow. So it, those hungers and those appetites, that should say, look, this is a lot of work to try to manage these three lower levels of happiness. Maybe if I go higher and let them all point me to God himself, he'll do most of the work and I'll, I'll actually have to do less work. That's what, what I've been discovering as I get older. It's actually easier when we let go of managing those three levels to surrender to him. And how much humility it takes. Yeah. My, my, oh my gosh, my number one vice is pride, Rose. Every confession. Every <laughs> Me confession. too. Me too. <laughs> I, t I told my spiritual director, it's in my DNA. <laughs> it's stamped into my body. Oh my gosh, it's so yeah. true. And I'm trying so hard to root it out. But when you look at that, that antidote of humility, seeing myself in relation to God, and there's so much freedom that comes from being able to let go of this control of those three levels of happiness and to trust that God is going to satisfy those. But holy smokes, it takes humility. And that is something that I'm constantly working on. And so it's it's easy to talk about, but holy cow, it is so hard to put into practice. So if you're listening, you're like, oh, that sounds great. No, believe it. We're struggling right along here with you. Well, you know what, Chloe? And it's also scary. It's scary to yes. have empty hands and to, to be in the dark and not have anything to hang on to and to be empty. We hate those words. And it takes not just humility, but courage. We're taking a quick break from today's conversation to hear from today's sponsor for this episode, Studio Headphones. Studio is revolutionizing the way that people see headphones. They're not just a tech device, but they're also an accessory. I recently picked up a pair of their wireless Bluetooth headphones. I was looking for a pair of minimalist wireless headphones to wear during labor and when I get back to running after the littlest linger makes an appearance. The charging case that the headphone came with not only is a great compact size, but it also lets me bring the headphones along with an additional two to three charges. So whether you're on the run in the spring weather or you're listening to Letters to Women around the house, do it without wires. Use the code LETTERS15 to receive 15% off your purchase and enjoy Studios free worldwide shipping. 
as we are journeying through these levels of happiness, we're running into roadblocks. So pride being one of them, but there's others too. So how can we avoid staying on this first level of happiness or being content with lower ordered happiness? What are the roadblocks that we're going to run into and how can we combat them? You know, I think about Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz on the yellow brick road. And uh, she had so many roadblocks that those freaky trees that threw (laughs) apples at her and the witch with the fireballs and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But we we need to just expect it to to have a false Christian view that once we surrender to the Lord, life will be easy and nothing will try to pull us off the yellow brick road is really false. So there's that humility is I'm going to be tempted I'm going to be distracted, and I'm not going to freak out about it. I'm going to be prayerful and intentional, and I'm going to stick close to the Lord every day. I'm going to wake up with a prayer in my lips. I'm going to go to bed with a prayer in my lips. And we just begin to order our heart toward level four in any little baby step we can. Remember, Dorothy started her journey uh, with those little steps in those cute ruby slippers uh, (laughs) back with the little people. Just it was one step at a time. And and I think that's the humility. You're going to be distracted. You're going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted, but he, he didn't let it didn't freak him out. And he didn't lose sight of who he was and how much he was loved by the father. And he he made it. Mm-hmm. And we can, too. It reminds me of the Ignatian rules of discernment, how it is a reality that there's going to be moments of consolation and moments of desolation and recognizing those and and realizing that they are a fact of life gives us the ability to interact with them and not freak out about them, but to realize, yeah, this is part of the spiritual journey. It's not always going to be these mountaintop highs. There will be moments of temptation and just knowing that that's coming helps us to be able to brace for them instead of, yeah, kind of going along nonchalantly thinking, oh, you know, I have this desire for fourth order happiness and and here I am and nothing's going to stop me. Like, no, that's when we really open ourselves up to the devil saying, all right, this one's she's, she knows what she's right. looking for. That's the one to take out. That's right. Let's throw an apple at her. Baby. Exactly. <laughs> I love this analogy because I'm sitting here in Kansas city. So it is speaking right into the, my Kansas heart. There you go. There you go. As we're on this journey to happiness, we are all carrying suitcases and they're full of memories or emotions, incidents, and, and things that weigh us down. When you've been writing this book, this a Catholic woman's guide to happiness, what are some common heavy luggage items that you see us as humans carrying around and how can we recognize unhealthy attachments? There's so many. One of the things that I know we get attached to, most of us, is just physical pleasure. And I'm not I'm not necessarily talking about sex. I'm talking about chocolate donuts. It's just so basic. And, and we learn as kids. I mean, as kids, look what made us happy. You know, Twinkies and I have this thing about food. Okay, I admit it. We need help to push ourselves past the attachment to those low-level things. And that's why the church, our mother, you know, helps us with fasting right because fasting especially now that you know we're we're in the last day of lent here fasting helps us learn that we're not going to die because we didn't have food we're not going to die because we didn't have the donut we survived we we learn through these disciplines to seek higher levels of happiness and not get stuck at the lower ones. And they're, they're not punishments. They're, they're training for actually greater happiness. It's easy to get stuck in and thinking mine is Dr. Pepper. Oh, if I only had a Dr. Pepper today, life mm. would be so much better. And that's not true, right? Because when we, then I get a Dr. Pepper and it's like, oh, no, you know what? This was great, but it isn't making my day that much better. And so just going back to that, 
just an acknowledgement that, that things are good, but they don't fill you. And you know what? I think we, we have to, people might think, oh, they're talking about Dr. Pepper and donuts or whatever. But if we don't start at the small things and learn how to see them rightly and order them rightly, we're not going to be able to handle ordering the bigger things. Right. Like relationships. You know, those are some of the toughest things that we as women have to deal with. And some of our deepest desires are for the love of our family, our spouses, our kids, our friends. And when we don't get that, we're not happy. And we do get it, we're happy. And again, those things can be controlling us. I just know, and because I deal with people who have broken relationships, because God knows I've done my own damage, we're way too attached to relationships. You know, if our husband is doing what he should be doing, we're so happy. If he's not, we freak out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Same with our kids. Same with our kids. So there's a lot of work to be done there, but one step at a time. Um, I'm in my last couple weeks of pregnancy. It reminds me of pregnancy cravings. I remember early on in pregnancy, mm. a friend and I were talking about this a couple days ago, how maybe you have a craving for bananas. And in some ways that's, you know, there's a base desire that those bananas, but your body's also telling you something like maybe your body's telling you actually what you're really craving is potassium. Like you're really low on that. You need to, you need to get those levels up. But those cravings are speaking into something that's deeper. And so yes, yes, yes. there is that level one, banana ice cream, that sounds fantastic. Other levels that, that, that are going deeper, those cravings are redirecting us to something that is good and that is, is deeper. It is so easy to get attached to that first level. Instead of exploring um, those deeper levels, like you're talking about relationship with your spouse, if your husband isn't making you happy and or you're not feeling known and seen in that relationship, it's easy to think, well, if my husband would just, you know, notice this new dress that I'm wearing, or if he would just pay attention right. more in conversation, then that, then I would be happy. But the reality is, is that we're looking to be known and seen. Why? Because we were made to be known and seen by God. And so even those desires are speaking into something that's deeper, that if we just pay attention to that first level, we're never going to hit because we're not realizing that those cravings are, are showing us something deeper. You know, that's a great way of looking at it. We can even apply the four levels to a, to a marriage, to a specific, specific relationship. If he likes the dress, okay, the thing, mm -hmm. then I'm happy, right? And so we're happy when he notices the dress, but really we're not that happy because he's not noticing the other things about me. We might be craving deeper intimacy with our spouse, like we, we really are craving deeper intimacy with God, but we're settling for the lower order things. And then we're, we're frustrated. This, you know what, this stuff is light and deep at the same time. Exactly. Both in the know. spectrum. <laughs> in moments where life is hard. Or maybe we're getting frustrated with those lower levels of happiness, whether it's in relationship with ourselves or relationship with others, it is really tempting to just give up. And so we may think, you know, this hurts too much. Our desires are too much. They aren't worth it. How can we reorder those desires for happiness instead of rejecting them or repressing them and saying, oh, you know what? I really don't need to be happy or I really don't need this as much as I thought I did. Yeah, no, I love that whole repress, indulge thing that we talk about with theology of the body, the two extremes that really don't make us happy when we're in either one. Repress, 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 and then we blow and indulge. But it's that tension in the middle. And But that, like anything else, like walking a tightrope, it takes practice. And you fall off, and then you make the decision to get back on. But you also need help. You need guidance. You need teachers. That's why we need the church. We need St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. I mean, that's been such a godsend to me to help me walk the line and stay on that tension that between repress and indulge and just giving up and then gorging and vomiting and all those things that we mm -hmm. do to ourselves. You know, we can't give up. 
And, and I love what St. Ignatius says in his spiritual exercises. When you're in the, those desolate periods that are so dark and horrible, draw on the beautiful gift of your memory of the times you had consolation where things were great and you felt close to God and you felt loved and you knew everything was right with the world and you had hope. He tells us in those times of desolation and feeling like giving up, don't make any big decisions and draw on the memory of when times are good and know they will come back and thank God and trust God. It's easy to become trapped in this mentality of this is how it will be forever, or even worse, this is how it has always been. And to not recognize the fact that God is in those moments, he's still, he's in the present moment. There's grace in that present moment, but also that there, there is good things to come. He doesn't just leave us to suffer. I think about Christ and the agony in the garden. I was in the Holy Land in January and it was so beautiful. Mm. I was meditating in the, about the agony of the garden in the Mount of Olives. And there's this beautiful mosaic and it's Christ sitting on a rock uh, and he's just praying and his apostles are around him and they're all asleep and his arms, Christ's arms are open and just this mm. total act of surrender, but also this invitation, like come sit, come sit here with me. Mm. You're not going to be mm. alone, but Christ doesn't stay on that rock though. You know, he gets, he gets up and he, he's, he's betrayed and he goes through this incredible passion and then the resurrection comes. So even in those darkest moments, the darkest moments, those moments in Christ's life where he takes on the sins of all humanity, something we can never even fathom what that's like. He still knows that there's something to come. There's still that hope. I know. And you know, that just reminds me, and again, St. Ignatius talks about this, to not live in your emotions, to live in your will. I feel right now that it's the end of the world, but I know it's not. So I feel like nobody loves me, but I know I am loved. So we, we make that decision in our will. And sometimes our emotions are so far away from where we want them to be. That's what I do in dark times. I just, I immediately go, I hate this. It sucks. I don't want to be here. I want it to be over. But then I console myself with the reality. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know I'm not alone. Okay. Right. And you just ri- you ride the wave. And being able to to know that your identity as a beloved daughter isn't something that changes. It's not like Christ considers you any more or less beloved because you're going through something hard or because you're really struggling with level one happiness. No, you're his beloved daughter regardless of where you're at. And that's not that's something that doesn't change. I was blessed to give two talks last week to some Catholic business groups. I have a talk about working for 30 years with my father in his business. And it was, it's really, it's a great talk, but I, I say how he let me suffer. He let me make mistakes. And like, I remember one time I was, uh, it was commercial real estate appraising. I was looking forward to a $10,000 fee. Mm -hmm. I was so excited and I got screwed by the client and I never got any money. And dad let me go through that. And instead of like trying to prevent, he just walked me through it. My dad even fired me a couple of times in those years. It's just like (laughs) a loving father will allow you to suffer because he knows greater good will come from it. Right. Exactly. I love that idea of a parent and being able to relate that back to our relationship with God. And how much so is that true with our relationship with God? Like these are relationships with human beings who are so messy and will hurt and love and, and mess up. And then this relationship with God, that's perfect. I know. I know. And we hate that as little kids. It's like, 
can't you just help me here? <laughs> can't you just Why? give me the right answer? <laughs> exactly. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. And he's like, no, I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm going to let you use your intellect, your right. intuition, and your instinct that right. I gave you. Exactly. And that, that will, that free will. I'm, right. I'm reading um, Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe this Lent. Mm-hmm. And he talks about mm-hmm. how good goodwill is a necessity and, and a sufficient reason for finding that peace and finding that happiness. Because even if we do struggle, which we will, we still have that ability with free will to say, this is how I am choosing to interact with that situation. Is it the best? No. Do I wish it was better? Would I picked the situation myself? Probably not, but here is what I can do. And I can interact with that and I can choose the way that I interact with that. Exactly. Even though I don't like it. Right. I'm exactly. Do it. <laughs> exactly. That is so true. Rose, where can listeners get a copy of the Catholic Woman's Guide to Happiness and find out more about the upcoming books in that series with Tan Books? Um, well, you can go to the Tan Book uh, website, or you can just go to my website, which is rosesweet.com, to the store on there and uh, order it. Or, or you can find it on Amazon, too. Uh, but I'm really excited because the uh, the Catholic Woman's Guide to Happiness is the first in a series of four little hardcover, beautiful little gift books. Um, and they seem light and at first, but they're filled with deep theology and philosophy, but in a fun and and light way. And the first one is happiness. The second one that's coming out, I think at the end of May or maybe June is romance, Catholic woman's guide to romance. And I really talk about the spousal analogy that got set on fire with me when I discovered theology of the body. That's coming up in a few months. And then later this year or early next year, I'll be coming out with the other two relationships and temperament. Mm, I love those. Those are so good. I'm looking forward to it. I do too. Yeah. They're the perfect little size. I I love how, just like we mentioned in this conversation, how it's light and deep at the same time. And it's so true. There are a couple of sentences as I was reading this book in adoration. Okay. I need to, I need to shut this book and and just be able to meditate on those. And so I highly recommend them Mm -hmm. and they're the perfect Mm -hmm. size. They fit right in a little purse or alongside the pocket of your car under your car door to be able to pull out when, when you're waiting for kids and a pickup line or, or have a little bit of spare time. I love them. Yeah, thanks, Chloe. It it helps to get that feedback because it makes me happy to hear it. So this podcast is about exploring the feminine genius. And the one question that I ask the women who come on the show is about how they embrace the feminine genius. So Rose, how do you embrace and explore the feminine genius as a Catholic woman, specifically striving for authentic happiness in your own life? In my earlier life, and I'm understanding that beautiful gift that we, especially as women, have to be open and receptive. Mm-hmm. And all, all human persons are called to that. But we we have a special gift for it. It comes very naturally to us. And in my earlier years, my feminine genius, my receptivity, I believed was to, to God and to others, to open my heart and open my arms to him and to anybody in my life. And the older I get, though, And here we go. I realize that I need to be open and receptive to the cross. That's the thing that really is the only ladder to the highest level of happiness. God wants union with us. And union with him always involves sharing in his cross. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to say that. I don't (laughs) want to think that. But that's where it is. That's the ultimate surrender. That's the ultimate paradox of our faith that you will, if you will empty your hands of all your level one, two, three, if you will go to that dark, scary place where there's nothing to hang on to, 
um, you're going to find something that's just going to blow your mind. And it's weird and crazy, but that's what I do now is in my prayer life, I go, okay, Lord, I see a cross in this and it's help me not to run away. Help me to be open and receptive to the crown of thorns, to the whip, to the slurs against my character, to the unfair judgments, to all the pain, because it's nothing of what you suffered. And I want I want to give myself back as a gift to you in that. I I want to climb. I don't want to lay my troubles down at the foot of the cross. I want to climb up and be on the cross with you. Rose, that's beautiful. I love what a reflection point that is for this season of Easter. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for sharing that. Well, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing about your search for authentic happiness, for all of our desires for authentic happiness. And we'll look forward to watching those those next books in the series pop up. And I'll put links to everything that you shared in the show notes too. Thank you, Chloe. And I'm so excited. It makes me very happy to know your baby is on on its way. Is it a, her or him? Do you know yet? So we found out, but we're keeping it a secret. And it has been okay, such okay. a hard secret to keep. <laughs> but we're almost there. We are almost there to the great reveal. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Well, I'm very, very happy for you and your family. And I wish you God's bless. blessings always. Thanks for listening to this episode. Head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com for show notes, which includes Rose's book, The Catholic Woman's Guide to Happiness, some links about Ignatian rules for discernment, which we mentioned a couple times, and also a link to searching for and maintaining peace by Father Jacques Philippe. And that is all I have for this week's episode. So until we talk next time, be not afraid.